Before the NBA season started, the LA Clippers were considered the deepest team in the league. And with many changes throughout the season and the season having unfolded, can you still say that the Clippers were the deepest team in the league? Going to be talking about that and answering the question and looking deeply into it on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, sir, you are locking in with the Clips. Thank you for making Locked On Clippers the first listen of your day, your team, every day. I'm your host, Darian Viziri, and going into my 19th season as a Clipper fan this fall, you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at DimeDropperPod and subscribe to my own YouTube channel, Dime Dropper, for even more Clipper NBA and LA sports content. And you got to subscribe to Locked On Clippers. It's free and available on all your favorite podcasting platforms, but also available on YouTube. And I want you to let me know if you think the Clippers were the deepest team in the league now that the season is over. We all considered us that before the season started. And I'm going to be going in depth, looking at a couple of things, including, you know, how we played without Kawhi, without Paul George, throwing some numbers out there for you. But let's get right into it. And the first thing I want to look at when talking about the deepest team in the league question is who was involved. You usually think of the bench first, right? Obviously, it's, it means the supporting cast. But really, when we talk about depth, the bench is kind of what comes up. So I remember talking about early in the season, pre-trade deadline, we had 11 players that had a case to play on any given night. Now, if the starting lineup was Reggie, Marcus, Paul, Kawhi, and Zoo. That would mean the bench players would be comprised of the ones that are getting in that conversation are John Wall, Newt Kennard, Norman Powell, Nico Batum, Robert Covington, and Terrence. So with all those six players, you know, those are some solid players. Now, you might be thinking John Wall's not solid. Now, look, I honestly don't think John Wall was as awful as everyone makes him out to be. I think he was he would have been decent in his role if he was more accepting of it. I think his actual basketball talent, he's still good enough to be a backup point guard somewhere, but it seems like he expected too much out of his role and was doing too much. He didn't come in trying to make other guys better. He came seemingly trying to show everybody that he was still John Wall and would attack every single possession or get into a pick and roll every single possession with him as the ball handler. And part of that is because he's not good off the ball and he wouldn't move off the ball. And his defensive effort was kind of suspect. But overall, I still think John Wall is not a bad player. And he had some good games for the Clippers. So I don't want to get too harsh on him. He still averaged, I think, 11-5. and But the point is, we didn't make him look good putting him out there with two other guards that couldn't really guard very well all at once so much in that beginning of the season. And, you know, Norman Powell, Luke Kennard, they're not great defenders, but they are very good players. And Robert Covington kind of became that odd man out very quickly. Uh, throughout the first, I want to say by game 20, it was pretty clear that Luke Kennard, Terrence Mann, Norman, they were ahead of him in the pecking order, even Nico and, of course, Marcus Morris. So we didn't really even get to see Robert Covington that much this season. Now you talk about the trade deadline, and you bring in Bones Highland, Eric Gordon, and Mason Plumley, and you say goodbye to Moses Brown, who at times played 
for the Clippers in the beginning. You say goodbye to Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard. And it was I think the toughest person to say goodbye to was Luke Kennard because even though he wasn't having the best season, he had struggled with injuries. Minutes were varying on a night-to-night basis. But, you know, I you guys know what I think of Luke Kennard. I think he has a great future in his role in the league, and he's such a great three-point shooter, one of the best we've ever had on the Clippers. In my opinion, the best I've ever seen on the Clippers. Obviously, I didn't get to see Eric Piakowski like that. But compared to J.J. Redick, like, I'm taking Kennard all day long, even though the other guy gave us more good seasons as a starting shooting guard for the Lob City team in 2014, 15, 16, and 17. But anyways, the point is, I think we made an upgrade at that trade deadline. And then we brought in Russell Westbrook, which allowed the Clippers to now have Norman Powell as a fourth scorer. Not, well, sometimes he would score more than Russ. I would He averaged more points than Russ this season, but after the playoffs, I think it's pretty clear that Russell Westbrook was clearly the third best player on the team. Norman Powell may have been the third best scorer in regular season, but now you have him as the fourth option as opposed to what he was emerging before, emerging into before he got injured, which was the clear-cut third option on this Clipper team, Norman Powell, before he was out with the shoulder injury. But the point is, all things considered, I think the Clippers do have the deep, did have the deepest team in the league this season. I really do. I think some arguments can be made for the Boston Celtics, but... You know, overall, I think depth is a little bit overrated in the playoffs. I think because the rotations shrink. But throughout a regular season, I think it's very important. And I also think it doesn't hurt in the playoffs to have options. It's not, I don't want to devalue its importance. But I think it's a little more, it's a little overrated because it really comes down to the stars and the way they're playing. And obviously, for the, in the Clippers' case, if they're available. But if we look at the individual seasons, right? Okay, John Wall didn't have a great year. Kennard... He was actually kind of struggling with the Clippers. Terrence Mann had a good year. What's the complaint with him? He was underutilized. Nico Batum, okay, kind of a down year, but you could even say he was underutilized if you compare him to the minutes that Marcus Morris got. How about Norman Powell? He had a very good season. He had a very good season. You can't say anything about him. Led the NBA in bench points, 17 a game. So was, it, was I missing anybody? That's it, right? Robert Covington, Terrence Mann, Luke Kennard, Norman Powell, John Wall. And Nico. So, and you bring in Mason Plumley, thought he was pretty solid. Bones Highland added some great pace to our team, could shoot the ball, wasn't as bad a defender as everybody thought. And then Eric Gordon, he wasn't necessarily as good as Kennard, but he had some good games on both ends of the floor that Kennard just can't have. Doesn't have the defensive chops that EJ, EJ has in terms of his size. And, like, for example, that game against the Suns before, I know I've referred to that game so much with Eric Gordon at this point. Because he did have a disappointing ending to the season. But the way he guarded Devin Booker in that game before Russell Westbrook came to the Clippers was a game that, you know, Luke Kennard is not capable of having. So overall, I think that the Clippers' depth, if anything, you could just say it was a little bit mishandled this season. Or guys like Terrence Mann didn't get enough minutes. But overall, I really do think we were the deepest team in the league. And look, let me be honest with you. How do you, you know, 44 and 38 when Kawhi Leonard misses 30 games and Paul George misses 26? Like, come on. That shows you to me that we are deep. We still got the fifth seed and we still have a plethora of guys, basically 11 solid players that can get in a rotation. And that's not even counting Amir Coffey. And if you just look at Amir Coffey and look at his season stats this year, you can say, oh, he's not good anymore. That's not it, it's that he doesn't play consistently. 
so he doesn't get in any sort of rhythm. Brandon Boston, our 13th man, I think he could get into NBA rotations, and I've been advocating for him to get into the rotation next year. But the point is, I think we really still have the talent. We still finish with a solid, solid, emphasis on solid, not good, record, even with 30 games missed from Kawhi Leonard and 26 from Paul George. It's really hard to win games in the NBA without your best players, guys. It's really hard, especially your best player for 30 games. Like that's that's a you're asking a lot for them to still have a 50 win season. You really are. I mean, what other team stars are missing 30 games and having that good of a record? The Lakers didn't have that good of a record and their stars missed the same amount of games approximately. So, yeah, I got nothing to say about that. But coming up going to look a little bit more into the numbers on it all in terms of bench points. But before I do that, I got to tell you about Prize Picks. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Every day of the NBA playoffs through the finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day, and whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. If you get four correct picks, you get 16K. If you get five correct picks, you get 80K. And if you get six correct picks, you get a million dollars. Full, full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. And Picks is the best fantasy app out there. It's not a gambling app. You're not competing against anyone specifically. It's just you and the projections available. And here's how it works. All you got to do is pick two to six players and project if they'll score more or less than the prize fix projection in any given category. It can be points, rebounds, assists, points, rebounds, assists combined. And you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. That includes more than just the NBA, NHL, conference finals in full bloom, got the MLB in the early stages of the season. Just download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, Price Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Price Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Price Picks is the best daily fantasy entry app around. Let's get into some of the numbers. So this season, the Clippers, and this is another reason why my point is to back my point up of the Clippers still had the deepest team in the league is, and by the way, Miami Heat, if you want to say they're the deepest team in the league, this was not normal throughout the regular season. In fact, the reason why they didn't have as good of a record as you might think is because these role players like Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent, all these guys that are playing so, so well in the playoffs, they were playing all right, I believe, in the regular season, but inconsistently, they weren't like this. So the Clippers supporting cast... To back my point up, they were third in the league in bench points behind the Pacers and the Spurs, two non-playing teams. One that was tanking that probably had guys in and out of the starting lineup, and then the Pacers who began tanking a little bit later into the season. So the Clippers were the first playoff team there that were leading, you know, in the mix, third highest in the league, first playoff team. I think that backs my point up, and mainly that's because of Norman Powell, but we got production off our bench. We had a deep team, and that's even with it being underutilized when it comes to certain guys. Norman Powell averaging 16 po- 17 points. I mean, he's a guy I definitely want back next season. He was on track to win sixth man of the year. 
And I may do an episode on if maybe he should have won Sixth Man of the Year, but he was on track to potentially win that award before he got that shoulder injury. He was scoring very frequent, having big scoring nights very frequently for us. And he had a stretch where people in the comments, and I'm not saying they were right, I don't agree with them at all, but people in the YouTube comments were even suggesting that he might be the second option after Kawhi. I mean, that's crazy. He's very right-hand dominant, but man, when he turns that corner and gets his shoulder into you going to his right, he is automatic finishing. He's so good at getting to the line. He has elite foul. He has, he, you know, he has that elite foul baiting badge. Um, and every single time he feels that contact, he does such a good job of just ripping through it. And he somehow gets the call better than Paul George ever could. It's so funny. But Normie also had a... After starting cold from three, he ended up having a decent season shooting the three ball as well. And he had some big games in the playoffs, namely game three at home against the Suns, which we still didn't end up with the win. But thought he was good. And then as the season went on, there were games where, you know, our bench would get us back into it. Guys like Bones Highland bringing that energy and pace off the bench. Same with Terrence Mann, just adding that pace. And Terrence, you know, we love him. He's a jack-of-all-trades kind of guy. We preferred him in the starting lineup, but coming off your bench, he always gives that energy and that spark hustle-wise and just doing a little bit of everything. And in my opinion, Nico Batum, even though he had a down year, was still better than Marcus Morris. So when Nico Batum is in instead of Marcus, you know, I, I prefer it. I think those minutes are better. And yeah, so the Clippers bench, third in the league in points. Now, coming up, I'm going to be talking about the Clippers. I know the pushback. The Clippers are 11-19 without Kawhi. How can you say they're the deepest team in the league? They shouldn't have to depend on their stars so much to win. Well, going to be talking about the context of that coming up. All right. So to close out, let's talk about some context to the Clippers are 11-19 without Kawhi. Now, I don't think that a team should be expected to have a 500 or above record without your best player. I don't think that that's a thing. But some people might disagree. Okay, let me just tell you this. In 12 of those 30 games without Kawhi, Paul George was also out. And our record was 3-9 and nine in those games. So without both, not every season is going to be like last year, especially when the two guys that led us scoring-wise last year, and we didn't really, it took a little while to get this through our heads because we believe in them so much, but Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris fell off a cliff. Marcus Morris became unplayable, and Reggie Jackson, on a, on a team that's probably going to win the championship this year, has become unplayable. He is a cheerleader, a vibes guy, so he's done. As much as I love the guy, he's pretty much done to me in the NBA getting a relevant role. So those two guys were the main catalyst to us having an overachieving season in 2021-22. But this season they fell off a cliff and they were regular starters getting upwards of 28 minutes a game. So with that, we're 3-9 and nine without Paul George and Kawhi. With Paul George and no Kawhi, we were 8-10. and 10. So you, got, you put that together when it, when it comes to Paul George's inconsistencies. The guys I just said, Reggie and Marcus having such down years, and then Ty Lue, you know, not playing certain guys on some nights, small ball lineups, all these things, just not playing guys like Terrence Mann, Robert Covington, guys that can guard as much, and, you know, the preferential treatment with Reggie and Marcus. You can say that he contributed to those losses as well. So 
even with all that, 8 and 10, I mean, I think if we didn't have Kawhi Leonard, even if we didn't replace the salary with other guys, we would be a play-in team, I'd say, with Paul George as our best player if he plays 60-plus games. Now, let me know what you think of that. I think if Kawhi wasn't on the team and Paul George played 60-plus games, we'd be a play-in team. Kawhi makes us, a cha- you know, when healthy, a championship contender. When both of them are healthy for extended stretches, we can be get the rhythm to be a championship contender. I still believe that. Contender. Winner, I don't really believe it. But contender, and the reason I don't believe it is mainly because of the health. We don't see it enough to actually actually judge it in the regular season, but... We are absolutely a contender when those two are healthy. There's no doubt. But, you know, 8-10 and 10 without Kawhi and with Paul George, that's not the worst thing in the world to me. And the Clippers are 12-14 and 14 without Paul George. So, I mean, I don't know how many of those games are without Kawhi. But 12-14 and 14 without Paul George isn't great either for all the people that say, oh, it's just, you know, Kawhi can carry, but Paul George can and all that. Absolutely, Kawhi can carry more. He's the much better player. But let's not just act like, Kawhi needs to be there or else they have no chance or anything like that. If we don't have a star, it hurts. Would we have beat the Phoenix Suns with Kawhi and no Paul George? Maybe we would have because that's playoff Kawhi, but we'll never know that. We did win two games against the Utah Jazz to win the second round two years ago without Kawhi, but again, Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris playing at a higher level. So the point point is I just wanted to bring up that the 11 and 19 without Kawhi, you're expecting a lot of these guys to go out there without their best player, a guy that is responsible for not only being a big-time defender, making Ty Luby more comfortable going with wing-heavy lineups, but a guy that's basically 30 points every single night, playmakes for everyone else. Like Think of how the shot quality is decreasing without one of these guys, if not both of these guys. I mean, Reggie Jackson and Marcus Morris creating your shots, run a, running a bunch of high-screener rolls with Reggie Jackson right now, or Marcus Morris one-on-one on the left side, isolated, like compared to Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in the pick-and-roll, or even just Kawhi catching the ball at the elbow and the post getting doubled, like the amount of open shots other guys are getting, it makes a l- large difference, especially when you have an offense that's not really movement-based. It's more, you know, isolation or pick-and-roll heavy, some sets out of the triangle when Kawhi plays in the post, but it's not super creative. A couple pin-downs, stagger actions for Paul George, Luke Kennard's coming off screens, but we're not too creative of an offensive team. Even though I do think Ty Lue is a better offensive mind than Glenn Rivers, but that's not really saying too much. So again, I want to repeat, 11 or 19 without Kawhi, sure, but 12 of those games out of the 30 were played without Paul George as well. We were 3-9 and nine in those games, 8-10 and 10 with Paul, no Kawhi, and 12-14 and 14 overall without Paul George in the season. So I do think the Clippers are still the deepest team in the league. I think, if anything, they were too deep, and that hurt us. You know, I think you can make a case for Boston. I would like to hear the other cases, but... We were too deep in the end. It made Ty Lue's job tough, and he didn't really know who to play. And I, in my opinion, looking at it in hindsight, and throughout the season, I expressed my you know opinion on it, but he didn't play the right guys, mainly Terrence Mann and the overutilization of Reggie and Marcus. But Norman Powell led the Clippers in bench, led everybody in bench scoring, and the Clippers third in bench scoring. So I do think that's also part of my argument that I think is, you know, Makes sense. I mean, we did get points off the bench. I have no problem with our bench. Our stars aren't healthy enough. And I do have a problem with Terrence Mann not playing enough. But, hey, we've talked about that a lot, right? But thanks so much for joining me. Let me know what you think in the comments. Make sure to subscribe and hit the notification bell so you know every single time that we post a video. But let me know what you think. Were we the deepest team in the league? What did you think of the points I made? 
Uh, what do you think we'd be without Kawhi? Do you think we'd also be a playing team if Paul George played 60-plus games and we didn't have Kawhi? I'd say around ninth or 10th seed, maybe eight. But you let me know. The age-old proverb continues. Go Clippers.